This is Real Talk for Real Men, episode number nine. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello, everybody. This is Guy Mullen. Welcome back to Real Talk for Real Men. And it's good to be back again with my friend and co-host, Chris Field. And it's always great to be on this program. I've just been surprised at the things that we've been able to discover as we've interviewed some absolutely fantastic people. Uh, and I just trust our, our listeners uh, get a lot of benefit out of that too. Look, I've, I, I know I've learned so much. And it's also just been great to just realize what great work people are doing around the world to, uh, you know, to, to, to help us uh, live lives which are more fulfilled and more filled with purpose. And I think the other thing that we recognize is that if, if we have a go at life on our own energies, we're only going to be able to achieve what we have the resources to achieve. But other people around us have already nailed some things. They've sorted them out. So why not learn from these great experiences and, and wisdom that's been put together by others? And I don't know whether it's, it's the case where, where you're living, where your listeners are, li- are living, but here in Australia, we tend to like to be the lone soldier, don't we? We tend <laughs> well, to we like are. to be... The- we tend to like to be the guy who, who achieves everything. He becomes a self-made man and can point to, point to himself and say, I did this, I did that, I didn't need anybody else. Yeah. Like that's some sort of great achievement. You did it all on your own. And if you admit that you need help somehow or other, you just admit that you're disabled. I know it's just a terrible, I, I hope our listeners aren't like that. But anyway, we've managed to kind of claw our way out of that mindset. And I'm looking forward to, the, to Paul Noble, who we're going to talk to you today. So just introduce him to us. Well, it's actually Brian Noble. Well, it's just Paul Noble on the screen. It does say Paul Noble on the screen, but it's actually <laughs> Brian Noble. So, so Brian, who's, who's this Paul Noble? Is this uh, well, a Noble? <laughs> Uh, Paul Brian Noble is my name, yes. And okay. so, there you go. I'm not sure how that got on there. It must be registered as some email or something. But yeah, Paul Brian Noble. And if you're mad at me, that's what you call me. <laughs> so, so Brian, we're uh, we we we're really glad that you've come to the show today because we're going to talk about a really important topic and one which is just it's been a frustration for me in so many ways because. Today we're talking about conflict and how to resolve conflict and all sorts of different types of conflict that you're working with. And it frustrates me no end the amount of conflict that I see and experience uh, amongst the Christian community. And uh, it just shouldn't be that way. And uh, so we're going to explore that today with Brian's help. And uh, we haven't had too much conflict yet, Chris, you and me, have we? We can work on something. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I didn't like your bed for the first few times I saw it, but I like it now. And I have to apologize. I've been eating a lot of garlic lately. So if, if the room begins to get a bit toxic, that's just that's on my apologies up front. Okay. So, so we're anticipating having some conflict as we work through these podcasts. But, and so we thought we'd get Brian on the, on the line today. So it can help to give us some skills so that... You know, when we do come to some fisticuffs, we'll be able to disarm it pretty quickly. Well, let's hope we can disarm it. Yeah. All right. So now, now seriously. Well, tell us, Brian's with a reconciliation ministry. What's it properly called? Uh, Peacemaker Ministries. Is that right, Brian? That's correct. I'm with Peacemaker Ministries. And if you are looking for us, we're at peacemaker.net. Peacemaker.net. So, uh, and uh, you're based in Washington. Well, we've currently moved our offices to the great state of Washington, and we're on the east side of Washington, the sunny side of, of Washington State, and uh, 
loving it here in Spokane, in the Spokane Valley. So, uh, uh, Brian, the, this ministry is not new. It's been around for a long time. It has. It was founded in the 1980s by Ken Sandy, and uh, he is an awesome man of God that uh, started a, a attorney practice and decided there's got to be a better way for Christians to to get along. And so in the 1980s, uh, himself and a number of other attorneys said, how do we t teach uh, fellow believers how to, to come together uh, and work out their, uh, their problems besides just going to court? And so they developed the book called The Peacemaker, and that was from mid uh, beginning of 1990 all the way up to 2010. Uh, it's our legacy material and a great foundation for our ministry. So, Brian, are you suggesting that the, the whole basis of the ministry is anchored in kind of legal concepts, legal speak? Yeah, so at first, that, that is where, we, where our foundation is. And so uh, in the mid, uh, late middle 2000s, 2010-ish, uh, uh, Ken Sandy stepped down, and we uh, started a, a kind of a new launch into basing it more on relationships. And so I happen to be a pastor and uh, now the executive director of Peacemaker Ministries, and uh, our new material uh, uses a lot of the same biblical principles in our legacy material, uh, but is more based upon relationships and um, that type of thing versus maybe, maybe legal terminology. So how much of this material would you say is actually biblical? I've never shot at a percentage, but I can tell you that the foundation is the prodigal son story. And then there are, um, there, uh, there's a wealth of information in the new book that's coming out on uh, God's presence, God's character, our, our identity in Christ Jesus, and what the Bible calls us to do. And so, uh, No offense to the lawyers that are listening, but I mean, it's possible that a legal kind of document may miss some of the biblical principles. You're assuring us that this stuff really is anchored in biblical truth? Absolutely. And I will say that the legacy material was also uh, anchored in biblical truth. I would just say that this this is more on our relationship with God and uh, our identity in Christ Jesus, and then we move to what the what the Bible calls us to do. So uh, both our legacy material, which is a great resource, and this material um, are anchored in the Word of God and come directly into how do we have interpersonal relationships that honor and glorify God. Okay, so one of the things that frustrates me so much is that is that uh, as when we become Christians, we, we understand that we are reconciled to God, not by anything that we have done, but through Jesus Christ. Right. And that it's because of him going to the cross that we are forgiven for our sins. We're mm -hmm. forgiven for all, the, all of our unrighteousness and reconciled back to a, to a, to a, a loving but holy God. And so when we've received that reconciliation from God and received that forgiveness, then we stand up and start walking in his ways. Mm -hmm. It is frustrating to me that it is so hard for us to be reconciled to one another. And, mm -hmm. that, and, and that is the thing which I guess really frustrates me that I see time and time again. Uh, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think that... Many of us, depending on what your tradition is and how, how you may say your, your uh, aha moment with God or your conversion moment, or maybe, maybe uh, you know, depending on your background, it could be a lot of different things. Um, but we have the gospel that's presented uh, at the very beginning of our, 
our walk with God where we understand him deep in a deeper way. But then we forget how to apply that gospel on a daily basis. I mean, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow after me daily. He doesn't say, pick up your cross and follow after me one time, and then hopefully you'll get to heaven. So the relationships are reconciled when we understand the gospel. Now, you may say, what's the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, lays out kind of the doctrine of the gospel. Paul says, I've preached to you, which was very important to me, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again according to the scriptures, and that he appeared. So he, he kind of lays out the, the dogma or the doctrine of the gospel of death, burial, resurrection, and appearance. So we understand that for salvation. We understand that for water baptism. We understand that for the beginning of our relationship or, or, or maybe like we might say our mature relationship with God. But we oftentimes don't know how to apply that gospel in his other charge to pick up our cross daily and follow after him. And that's the key to the path of a peacemaker, the resources that we've just developed is understanding how do you apply the gospel on a daily basis, not just with your relationship with God. Yes, we need to do that, but also with our relationship with each other, because God said, love God and love me. Now, I understand, Brian, that over the years, the whole Peacemaker Ministries focus has worked either with individuals, uh, maybe marriages, um, people having to deal with their own personal journey, but you also work through in a corporate setting as well. We do. Um, Peacemakers has worked, uh, as you just said, with, um, it could be marriages, it could be father-son relationship or, or parent relationships. It could be uh, at the end of life and, and brothers and sisters uh, dealing with their, their parents' will. It could be, I mean, just a, a multitude of uh, ways that we have helped uh, families and uh, people get together. We've also worked on the organizational level where uh, we've helped churches, um, boards and elders and deacons and pastors live in reconciled relationships and, and take care of tension within the congregation. And then we've worked with uh, even outside uh, resources like uh, for-profit organizations or governments that uh, we begin to help live in reconciled uh, relationships. So on all levels we've uh, of uh, a structure of our of life, we've helped uh, see people being reconciled. Well, Brian, what I think we'd like to do, I'm sure Guy would want to go this way, is that we'll get some sense for the basic principles you use and how they work with people, and then we'll get you back on the program again and have a look more at the, how that actually works in the corporate context. So, Guy, you okay with that? Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. 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 So let's let's start with let's start with uh, with marriages. Okay. So uh, we've, we've talked a fair bit on some of our other podcasts about the plight of marriage. Uh, the average marriage length is around about 12 years nowadays. Mm -hmm. And um, around about 50-odd percent of marriages, first marriages don't work out, and second marriages and third marriages, the percentages are even worse. And, the, and those percentages aren't really any different between, between Christians. Right. So, you know, is there one... In your perspective, is there is there one cause of the one root cause of the conflicts that are driving marriages apart, or is it not quite as simple as that? I think there is a, a root cause, and let me lay some foundation, and I'll build into what that root cause is. So, uh, here at Peacemaker Ministries, we believe that there's healthy tension and unhealthy tension, and simply hang put, hang on a second, hang on a second. Healthy yeah. tension. Tension. Health, healthy tension. Just, just, just 
clarify that? It can actually be healthy to yeah. be in strife with someone? Yeah, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I don't know about you, but when you're getting sharpened, it's tension, you know. Or, okay. or if you look at like a, a diamond being formed, how is it formed? It's formed under great pressure uh, that's placed upon it, and then something beautiful comes out of it. Uh, or consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials. That's tension, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And so both from like a, a biblical standpoint and from the natural creation that we see is that tension is used by God to create something beautiful. And so healthy tension pulls us together, right? It brings us together. Well, unhealthy tension or conflict pulls us apart. And we see this throughout all of scripture as well, uh, whether it's David who uh, has Bathsheba or, uh, you know, uh, Joshua and his brothers. And, you know, I mean, we can just go through scripture after scripture about unhealthy tension uh, and in families and, and other things. So, Healthy tension brings us together, and unhealthy tension pulls us apart. And so this is what we teach people, because oftentimes we've end up with a complacent church, right, or complacent marriages, and they just say, well, if I have the absence of tension, then I'm being godly. Well, hmm. not necessarily. I'm, there may need to be some refining. See, the whole point of marriage is, is the gospel message. It's the idea of Jesus Christ dying for our sins and we showing that humility of the spirit within us to our spouse, to our kids, to our church. And, and so then they see the gospel living out that, that we're not demanding and creating unhealthy tension for them, but really the tension of humility comes in and we begin to, to uh, live and serve uh, one another. So, so the foundation is that there's healthy and unhealthy tension. And then we have a saying, and this saying is so important. We need to, we all have a story and a story is really how, uh, how we saw a situation or how we perceive actions uh, that are done to us. Um, the prodigal son story is a great one. It's a parable that teaches us about a family relationship that experienced tension when a younger son asked for his inheritance and the older son stays uh, faithfully, but almost self-righteously uh, behind. And so we have tension that's there in the prodigal son story, and we have a story that's happening. And so in Peacemakers, we teach you some ways to discover your story, both your emotional story and your factual story. What are the facts of your story versus what, is, what are the speculations of your story? And we walk them through a series of questions. And then what we say is this, you need to ascend. You need to go back to God's character and God's presence and your identity in Christ Jesus. And why is that so important? It's because you'll respond in relationships differently if not only understand who you are in Christ Jesus, but who God is, right? If, if you see God as a, a big thumb that's pressing down on you, you're going to respond to conflict differently with your spouse. Or if you see God as a loving God that's holding you up, that's going to be a totally different response. And so we, we talk about God's presence, God's character, and, and then your identity in Christ Jesus. And that's all in, in this sense. Go ahead. Can I sort of summarize what I think I hear you saying then? Point number one, that these tensions or conflicts are kind of inevitable. They're part of the landscape, and we can either harvest them for productive growth, or we can let them become an absolute mess in our relationship. Absolutely. And then... Not, not only... Not only um... Not only inevitable, but desirable. Well, that's, that's the, the powerful thing about it then is to kind of get the 
uh, turn the light on about your situation, see it for what it is, rather than just see it because of what you've made it out to be. Yeah. He sort of talking about like a reality check kind of situation. Exactly. That's the story. Yep. That's we all have a story. That's yep. your story story. And yep. then we come to that part next, which is basically then um, objectively allowing ourselves to catch some wisdom that will move us forward in that journey. Absolutely. And that's what we call ascent, going back to the father, right? The prodigal son, when he realizes he's in the pig pen, he says, I will go back to my father and say, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Well, the key thing was is he went back to the father. And so oftentimes we'll go back to the father for our finances. We'll go back to the father for our jobs. We'll go back to the father in prayer through whatever. But what about for our marriages? You know, do we, do we go back to the father and say, hey, uh, help me understand where I'm being selfish or self-centered. And so we, 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 we have this idea of, of, of uh, in certain areas we, we don't mind praying about, but then in others we kind of compartmentalize and, and hold on to those. So understanding God's character and God's presence is just so valuable in your relationships. Now, Brian, I would think in practice, I'm thinking of the different people I've had to help over the years. Uh, a lot of people would really balk at that last step because as I remember one wife saying to me, I don't want to be able to forgive my husband for the way he is because then he'll end up staying that way. And, you know, there was all this resentment in her that would have stopped her from what you call ascending, going back to the father and getting his, his wisdom. So is that fairly common? It's very common. And that's why reflect us the next state where we ask God to search us and teach us and we apply the gospel, right? Because if we reflect and we say the, the gospel message is simply this, Jesus Christ died for us, we need to be willing to lay down our life for our brother or even our spouse. And so like the woman you're speaking of, you know, a lot of times people say, I want, I want, uh, I want to accept Jesus into my life, but I want everything except for the cross, the, the, the grave, <laughs> you know, I want everything but those two things. Well, part of what we need to learn from, as, from Jesus as being believers is, it's all one package. It's the death, burial, resurrection, and appearance of Jesus Christ. You can't just have one side of the coin and not the other. And so teaching someone, someone that, that idea that it's not validating someone else's uh, sinfulness by forgiving or holding on to bitterness. It's actually acknowledging that it is sinful when we reflect and we, we, we begin to take on a posture of, of the gospel. And so we reflect and then we connect and that connect is the last step. And it's simply, how do I now go talk to that other person after I've spent some time with God and I've looked inside personally. Now, once you've laid out those principles for a family or people arguing over a will or a marriage or some situation like that, Mm -hmm. I can imagine that that there'd be different rates of buy-in different, different speeds with which people would, would willingly accept and go along with that. So you must have to have a set of crowbars or something along the way to jimmy people out of their stuck spots. Absolutely. And that's where we have, we have about 10 tools. We usually teach four of them, but we have some tools that really help us uh, that come from, come from the word of God that help us uh, to, how did you say that? Jimmy people out of their tough spots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and so, yeah, we, we do teach those tools in our seminars and also when we're path coaching or sitting down and having a, a conversation about how, how, how do I handle the situation? Um, and you, you mentioned coaching. Have you actually got a lot of people qualified to kind of pick up a, a one-on-one um, ministry with people or families? Is this something you do? Yeah. So over the years, um, 
we, we've trained, uh, I don't know the exact number, but many uh, conflict coaches and um, they're trained mostly at this point in our legacy material. Um, and uh, our goal in the future is to bring uh, those individuals and new individuals uh, to be coaches in our new material, which uh, if someone was trained in the leg legacy material, it's not going to be a hard step to go to the new material. Um, it's going to be very easy for them. And I thought you said when we made our first connection, something about 20,000 people have actually attended programs or something. Yeah, I picked that number up from one of our employees. So I don't know how documented that is, but I do know that a large number of people have come through our training. I, I heard, uh, again, I've only been the executive director since March, but I heard it, the number I think was 20,000. And then uh, Ken Sandy, the peacemaker, that book has sold, I believe, hundreds of thousands of copies. And and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing what God is doing uh, through reconciling relationships. Well, just now that we've heard the kind of theoretical framework, I guess something Guy and I love to hear is kind of a bit of a, a testimony or something. What do you reckon? Well, I think I would like to hear, can we go through some practical steps? So can we go get into the nitty gritty of an example of walking through those steps? So, so let's say we have a husband who has, uh, who has uh, uh, made some mistakes in his marriage and his wife has asked him to get out of the house and, and she's not wanting to talk to him, not wanting to go through any mediators. She's just wanting some space. And um, what's, uh, what, what, is, what, is the first, what is the first step? What is that? Uh, the, the woman is wanting to be on her own and not really interested in reconciling in the, reconciling in the short term. The husband has realised he's made some errors but maybe doesn't understand the full extent of them. What is, so I guess the, the first steps start with him. What is he to do? If I was coaching him, I would say, let's, let's uh, draw a circle on the line. I mean, on a paper and uh, on that and inside the circle, let's write down everything that you're experiencing. That's healthy tension. That's like a rubber band that's pulling this together. And the outside of the circle, let's write down everything that is unhealthy that you're experiencing. And of course, as they write things, there may be things that are outside of the circle uh, that's kind of pulling us apart that, uh, that should be on the inside or, you know, vice versa. I don't really care about uh, of, uh, observing it or, or analyzing it at first. I just say, let's just separate out what's healthy and what's unhealthy. And so for a guy who's kicked out, maybe it's healthy that he's feeling the consequences of his sin so that he knows Jesus more. And that's on the inside of the circle. Or maybe it's healthy that uh, maybe if he was abusive, it's healthy because the family's safer um, uh, by him being on, uh, you know, not around the family right now. Maybe on the outside of the circle, it's it, the unhealthiness is that bitterness is rising up in his heart uh, or unforgiveness is rising up in his heart. Uh, so I'd sit down, I'd just kind of ask him those questions. Like what, what do you feel is healthy tension and what's unhealthy tension? Of course, this is a hypothetical. So it's, it, it could be, it could go a thousand different directions, but uh, to find out, you know, where they, where they are. And then I would take them to story and I'd say, give me the, give me the facts about the story. So the fact is you're not living at home. Uh, the fact is uh, the uh, maybe she's closed off the bank accounts to you or, you know, th those kind of facts. And, and we try to separate out what's fact versus what's speculation. So a speculation mm -hmm. would be, she kicked me out because she hates me. And I'd be like, okay, did she tell you that she hates you? 
Well, no, I just know that's why she kicked me out. Okay, so that's that's kind of speculating. She kicked you out, but you don't know why maybe she kicked you out. Or maybe there's a pornography problem, and she's told you that. You have a pornography problem, so I'm kicking you out. Okay, so that would be a fact, right? She kicked me out because I was watching pornography. Yeah. Uh, and we would write those things down. We kind of separate what are we guessing about versus, you know, what, what are the facts there? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we would kind of set that aside for just a moment and we'd say, where's God at in all this? And who is God in all this? And uh, we would talk about how he's viewing God in that moment. You know, is he seeing God as angry or mad at him? Or is he seeing God as compassionate God who's calling him to repentance? Um, is he, you know, and we would work, walk through scripture together about God's character, his, and, and, and God's presence with him in the midst of conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'd ask him about if he's a follower of Jesus, you know, uh, and he says, yes, let's say and that talk about his identity in Christ, that he is, he is uh, reconciled by faith and we're not reconciled by perfect marriages. Um, we're not reconciled because we're a perfect spouse or husband. We're reconciled because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so that would be all about that, the idea of going back to the Father. And then we look at what God's called us to do. And uh, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. And so he's called us to be a peacemaker, kind of walk them through that. And then we reflect. And I, I reflect, I usually go to Psalms 139, uh, 23 and 24, where it says, search me, O Lord, and teach me, and see if there be any hurtful way within me. And I say, ask the Holy Spirit to search you right now and teach you. And, uh, and so we would kind of do that together um, and uh, reflect on maybe what the log is in his eye. Um, that's one scripture in Matthew that we like to use, chapter 7. Uh, and, uh, and also the gospel. We reflect on what do I need to die to in this, in this conflict? How do, I, how do I bury that, show that evidence that I, I've died to it? How do I walk in newness of life? Uh, what, what needs to take place? And how do I give evidence of, a, of that newness of life or appear that, that newness of life to my spouse? So we then begin to form a prayer list. And sometimes, especially in marriages, th- that's as far as we can go until the Holy Spirit's working on the spouse. Right? I mean, we go, the connect is the next step. And maybe he says, hey, I want to connect. But usually what's happened is uh, before someone gets kicked out is they have, they have uh, uh, half-heartedly maybe repented a thousand times before that point. In most mm-hmm. marriages, you know, uh, they, they have, they, they've already, it's not like day one and, uh, of your marriage and you made a mistake and she's like, you're out of here. You know, typically it's because of a lot of repentance or false repentance or sorry that you got caught versus uh, true repentance. And so, I always tell I always tell guys or gals, either one that I'm working with, um, now that you've reflected, take some time not to pray for your spouse at this moment, but pray, pray for yourself that it's not just a head thing, that it's truly a heart thing, because your spouse is going to discern that. You know, your spouse is going to be able to know uh, that. And so um, we take some time there, and then we begin to seek God as to when should we uh contact the spouse and what should we say when we contact them now i can guarantee this uh if if the husband calls the spouse and says hey i want to get together so i can see about moving back in uh she's going to be like hands up pushing back no way but if if he calls up and says you know honey i i've been reflecting these last couple weeks and uh, i i made a list of 25 things that i've done wrong in the marriage and 
10 of those I know I can change and 15 of those I know I can't change. Uh, I just got to figure out how to be a better man. And, and, and I would like to express those to you in a safe environment. Um, would, would you have time to talk? If he comes with that level of humility, um, because he's truly not doing that in a manipulative way, but because he's truly reflected, I guarantee that she's going to discern that and see that, that gentleness and humility. And, uh, and so, and so there's, there's one of the, the problems that I see coming through time and time again is convincing the wife and those who are supporting the wife that it is real repentance and not just one of those times where he's, you know, he said sorry a thousand times before. I'll tell and, you that authentic repentance makes no demands. Yeah. And mm. uh, you get that from 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It talks about worldly sorrow versus godly sorrow. And uh, it makes no demands. And so he is going to have to be comfortable. Or, and, and let me just say this. We just started this scenario as he getting kicked out. It could be she. It could be, I mean, you know, it could go either way. But sure, uh, sure. Uh, he, he has to be comfortable with the fact that he may repent and she say nothing. Hmm. But if he's not, if he's there just to manipulate, to get himself back into the house, if he's there to um, make it easier for him, uh, and that's his goal. Uh, I, I almost can guarantee that the, the wife and any other support that she has around her will be able to discern that and, and know that it's not. And, and even if she doesn't and he does come back, it's going to be worse than before. It is. The Bible actually talks about that as well. It talks about sins that we uh, re-entangle ourselves in as becoming more difficult to get out of uh, after we've done that. And so after we've repented wow. and go back to them again. So no, I, that's probably, this may be a little bit deeper than what you wanted to go today, but that's, uh, that's what we do. We walk people through yeah, these types that's, of no, that's, that's awesome. Can you, can you close the session with a, with a testimony? Absolutely. There was a uh, lady that uh, actually a married couple that uh, a psychologist had recommended to me. And uh, he told them, he said, Hey, I, I've worked with this couple for a number of years and I'm stuck. They're on the verge of divorce. What, what do I uh, I don't know what to do. I want to send them to you to uh, help them reconcile the relationship. And so they came into my office as I'm a pastor. And so they came in and they sat down and I, uh, they didn't ha happen to uh, attend our, my church, but they, they came in and they sat down and I said, what can I do for you? And they said, well, we're on the verge of divorce. Uh, we've been fighting for 20 some years and, and we're just done and we're tired. And I said, well, when did you start fighting? And they, they thought, and then as they looked at each other, they said, it really was probably about the second, second uh, year of our marriage. And I said, what, what happened there? And they described a situation where they had brought um, together, they had brought someone else into, into their bedroom. I'll just say it that way. And so um, I listened and I said, well, have you ever, have you ever repented of that? And, and uh, now I want to be careful here because we know that all of our sin is forgiven because of the one work that Christ did on the cross. Uh, but we repent for our own good so that we let go of, you know, those things um, and, uh, and acknowledge God's forgiveness. And so um, they said, no, we've never asked for forgiveness for that. I said, have you ever asked each other for forgiveness? And they said, no. I said, well, would you like to do that today? And they said, yeah. So 
they, in my office, they just jumped down onto their knees. It was really, it was kind of comical. So I'm kind of like, well, okay, here we go. And so I, I got on my knees with them and, and around the coffee table in my office, they just said uh, the most simple prayer of asking God to forgive them for that, that uh, uh, first situation that they had done early on in their marriage. And then I looked at them and said, hey, do you guys want to ask each other for forgiveness? And, and uh, they said, yeah. And uh, so they asked each other for forgiveness. And we sat back up on the couches and I looked them in the eyes. And I said, hey, I have good news for you. Because of the work that Jesus Christ has done on the cross and because of your faith in that work, I want you to know that God has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. He's thrown them into the depths of the sea and he chooses to remember them uh, no more. You have been forgiven. Go and sin no more. That's what I said to him. And they're like, great. And so they got up there and left my office. And I, I honestly, I mean, it was really a pretty short meeting. And uh, I saw them on the soccer field and I called the guy over and I said, hey, uh, how's, how's it going? Are you, are you guys still married? He said, oh, yeah. I, you know what? He goes, I realized I never came back and told you. For the last four months, our marriage has been amazing. I said, well, really? Yeah, we stopped arguing about every little situation. We stopped arguing about uh, about our intimacy. We stopped arguing about, you know, it, it's just been, we've been communicating like never before. And I, I should have come back and said, thank you. I said, well, praise the Lord. And, and we talked and, and uh, to this day, that marriage is just thriving and thriving and thriving. Now mm-hmm. I will say for every one of those, I can also tell you another one that, uh, that doesn't end that well. <laughs> and the difference is whether we remain, we maintain a heart of humility, you know, and, uh, Brian, that's actually fantastic and really encouraging. I'm going to ask another question though. Yeah. You started at the beginning describing a process, a very physical process of drawing a circle on a piece of paper and identifying the tensions in different categories. Mm-hmm. You didn't actually use that technique specifically with that couple. You got another little example of where someone even just going through those steps had their own aha moment. Well, I will tell you that the tension diagram that we've developed is very, very new. And so um, the story I just told you was probably 10 years ago. And so that I hadn't written that material at that point. Um, but this concept is, is really the same. When I asked the couple, when did the fighting first start? I asked them, when, you know, what, what's the idea of unhealthy tension stepping into your marriage? When did you first start feeling pulled apart? And they identified that at the, you know, the second year of marriage. Um, and then we did actions of healthy tension. It, 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 was, it was tense, for lack of a better term, uh, getting on our knees and repenting before God and, and before each other. You know, that was, we were, they were crying and it, there was, that was healthy tension that was taking place there. So the only reason I didn't tie it to the story is because I wrote the, that part of the material uh, mm. years right. later. Yeah. Can I make this observation then yeah. that it seems that uh, often if there's a bit of a, a, a pattern of unhealthy tension, there might well have been a trigger point somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. And we find that in the Bible. Uh, think about, I mean, if you go back to Cain and Abel, or you go back to, to Joshua, or you go back to, you know, Joseph. And I mean, there's, there's usually a trigger point that takes place in each of those people's lives. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think this is fantastic. I'm really, really glad we've, we've been introduced to you and had the chance to interview you. I'm rather fascinated to imagine too, how this might actually work out 
in a corporate setting. So that'll we'll have to get back to that and do another interview. We will. Um, but I guess before we close, we might like to let Brian kind of make sure people know where to find his stuff. Yes, Brian. So you mentioned your URL before. You want to do that again? And uh, is there anything you want to say about the materials? So you're writing some new material. Is that released? What do you want people to know about how they can get in touch with you and your services? Yeah. So the Path of a Peacemaker, that's the material I've been talking about. Uh, our workshop and workbook and handbook have been fully developed and are available on our website at www.peacemaker.net. And I'm emphasizing Peacemaker uh, because there's no S on there, peacemaker.net. And um, the book, actually, I just got contacted by a publisher yesterday. And so uh, I'll be interviewing and working with that, uh, with that publisher uh, starting next week's my interview. And so the, uh, the full-fledged book will be coming out. But in the meantime, we have The Path of a Peacemaker by Ken Sandy and all of our legacy materials on our website that can assist you to resolve conflict in a biblical and, and healthy manner that glorifies God. Fantastic. And so then if people felt they wanted to get in touch with someone that might have been trained, is there some way they can do that? Yeah, so uh, they could call our office, which are members on our website, and depending on what level of conflict they have, uh, we can have someone from Peacemakers help them. And we've also um, just took a, a, a division of, uh, of Peacemakers, which is our certified Christian conciliators, and that would be more of the legal side of it. And that's another ministry or another organization called ICC Peace. And when, so if they had a legal issue, we would direct them uh, to the attorney side of things as well. So we can help them on the relational side or, or if it's more of a legal issue. And if it's a blend, both sides have been trained uh, to some degree as to uh, how, how to handle that. So uh, some things are relational and legal, obviously. And so we, we work together in those things. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, well, thanks so much, Brian, Paul Noble, for um, coming on to this. Uh, Paul Brian, we should have a conflict about this right now. <laughs> it is Paul Brian. Okay, go. all right, Paul Brian. Uh, look, you know, the scriptures talk a lot, a lot about reconciliation, both with God and with one another, don't they? And um, and uh, you know, as Christian men, we should, as Hebrews twelve fourteen tells us, we should strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So it's important to God that we do strive for peace with one another. And that means gaining the skills to be able to do that, doesn't it? It does. So thanks you so much for coming onto the show. And we look forward to having you back next time. Excellent. And, and for our listeners, please do check out uh, peacemaker.net. And also come across to realmen247.org and... Let us know what you think of this podcast and we'll see you on Facebook and on our next episode. It's goodbye from me. And from me. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.